So hi, Jim. Hey, Megan. I'm in the space attic. I'm eating Oreos and drinking beer. What kind of beer? What you got? I just heard this new stuff today. Um, it's called. It's from the Ohio Brewing Company. It's their Cardinal Ale. Cardinal I don't know, Ale. Is it, is it after the Pope? No. <laughs> I'm the Pope, the mother. Drink my beer. It's the State Bird Dudgeon. Yeah. Uh, and it's like an Irish style red ale. It's pretty good. It's all right. Cool. But, I'm uh, I'm enjoying a lovely. Lipton Diet Mixed Berry Green Iced Tea. My God, that's room so temperature. Oh, you're such a sissy. I know. Oh, that's okay. I gotta, I gotta keep my throat in good shape because I am a professional voice actor. <laughs> it kind of feels that way when we do this, like when I can't see you. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a little bit weird because I'm just talking in a mic. Like a professional voice actor. Well, it, it it is actually a little bit disconcerting to have a conversation over Skype with someone using good equipment because it sounds so much better than a phone conversation. Yeah, because that's the, right. Because that's the sound quality that we're all used to when you talk to somebody. Right, like it's when just you have like, a phone call. You're it's expecting like, hey, it to be all muffled. Hey, Megan, this is Jim. I'm going to be late for the recording today. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But then you get basically like full range audio and stuff and you're like, whoa, this is like a little bit trippy. It is weird, though, because um, I can't hear myself in the in the speaker at all. So, mm. like, I just assume I sound OK. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing I'm sounding fine. So I can well, hear you. Your sound- phone will be more severe. That's my Bane impression, which is really bad. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Wait, what? Your what impression? Oh, no, I haven't even seen it. Oh, my God. You got to watch that film. I know. I just sort of like didn't really rush to see that movie. Oh, it's so good. I want to. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you got to you got to check it out. I just have been kind of lazy as far as watching movies goes. Well, you've had other priorities, have you not? Yeah, but I don't know if that's really an excuse. Well, it's no excuse, but it's a reason. True. Here's, that's very wise. That's something that I've I've said for a long time, and I don't know if it's wise or just a bunch of crap or whatever. But there there is a difference between an excuse and a reason. Yeah, you know, I wish I would have thought of that a long time ago. That little phrase, because I've been told a few times, like, "Oh, no excuses. Come on, quit making excuses. Whatever." I should have just quipped back with the uh, "It's an excuse. It's a reason." Bam. Yeah, it exactly. It. And it like, there's always a reason for everything. And you should be able to express that without feeling like you're, you know, being lazy or somehow trying to cover up what you should have done. Right, right. No, you're, you're totally right about that. And, and it's, it's a reason, not an excuse, doesn't have to be something in a snarky retort type context. No. It it can be totally legit. Like, look, this is no excuse for this being late or whatever, but here's the reason. Listen, this is no excuse for me being really behind on reading Game of Thrones, but the reason is <laughs> I just haven't gotten to it. 
<laughs> so, Wait, you, you just yeah. stole my opening line for next week's episode. Jim, I kind of want to cry a little bit. What are we going to do, Megan? I don't know. I have to read like 500 pages by next week. There's no way it's going to happen. Maybe we should postpone it. We can't. Oh, We'd be, shit. We, <sighs> it's tempting, though. It's tempting, but we can't. We <sighs> might have to fake it. Oh my we god! Might have to fake it. I don't know. I don't even want to say that. I don't even want to say that because if I do fake it, then I'll be like liar, liar, pants on fire. I know we can't yeah. disclose that information yeah. anyway. No, we can't. Um, but crap, man. Yeah. Crap. I haven't even. I read maybe ten pages in the past <laughs> two weeks. Wow. Oh, I know it's crap. brutal. It's brutal. But that's next week. We have we have an entire week. To make it to happen. read what like six hundred pages? Yeah, I hate to tell you, but it's well. not going to happen. Uh, I mean, Jim. Should we? Like for real? For realsies? Should we just postpone it a month? Here, well, here's here here's the the golden question. Okay, if we postpone book club by a month. Are we actually going to read it in the ensuing month, or are we going to have the same problem 30 days from now? Well, I really do want to read the book, and I just know that like it's been weird to sort of like adjust into reading again, because I haven't... It's been a long time since I, I... I used to read a lot, and I just... I haven't really done it, and... All these new things that I'm doing right now are like distracting me and all that crap. So I don't know. I really do want to read the book, mm-hmm. but um, for some reason I just didn't do it. And my one problem is I'm wondering if we do have the episode next week, It's if it even is going to be worth it. Like, I don't know. Is the episode even going to be good at all? Probably not. Well, let's make let's make an executive decision then. A mutual executive decision. Book club is postponed for one month. Okay. Okay. We will start, we will get back on the book club bandwagon. First show in May. For realsies, no givesies, backsies, no excuses, not even (laughs) reasons. No, okay. We're going to read this GD book and be (laughs) all up in our Westeros Winter is coming because maybe by then winter will actually be done in Cleveland. Which oh, we had that awesome. conversation last week. God. Oh, God, that's the worst. It's so terrible. It was sunny today, though. It was good. It was actually a really, I had a really pretty drive into work. I had a nice morning. road trip today. Yeah. So you went out. Yeah. What yeah, did you do to, today? I actually went out to Ravenna. I was thinking about going out to Warren, which um, you would be familiar with, but. um. No, I, I went out to Ravenna because there's this one thrift store out there and they have like another location in Warren, but that's further. So which one is it? It's called It's All Fine. Hmm. It's like more of a vintage store. Okay. Um, last I, I just started a new website. And, yeah. What's the um, what's the website? You got to pimp that out. Yo. All right. I'm going to pimp it. It's called rentalrevival.com. And basically it's just a website of me like documenting how I'm fixing up my rental house. And how other people can do the same thing with rental apartments or houses or even whatever. Just a cheap way of sort of uh, like redecorating or DIYing 
your house so that you can have a nice result for not a hefty price. And like also because a lot of times landlords don't let you do some certain stuff. So it's like ways of reviving stuff you might already have so that you don't break your lease Mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. That's a really cool idea. And, and, you know, you should, once you kind of get it off, off the ground from that primary angle, you might want to think about trying to hook people in who maybe are even homeowners. Right. Because here's, here's the thing. Like I, I have a house that, um, is falling to crap because like, I don't take care of it and I'm never there. But anyways, um, as a homeowner, most people think, oh, like, we're going to put in granite countertops and we're going to put in yeah. new crown molding and we're going to put in new carpet and paint, you know, and do all of this crazy stuff and, oh, put in a new door or whatever. Um, I don't have a budget for, like, any of that stuff right. that, like, for a homeowner is like, yeah, just write a check for five grand and get a new kitchen or, you know, whatever. So... Five grand but, is way not going to be enough. Well, am I right? Be, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. You're, you're right. I mean, you're talking well, but, probably ten grand. But what I, what I'm getting at is like, like the two hundred dollar home improvement tip for the apartment. You could totally just do that with your house too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Just follow the same stuff, but do it for your house. I yeah, mean, it's really just kind of the the name of it is based so that you know people that feel like you know all these home home websites, home blogs don't apply to them because they might not be able to do that stuff in their rental property. Um, you know, that's sort of what I'm aiming towards. But by all means, do whatever for your for your house. Yeah, you have even less limit than most people do. But um, but yeah, it's cool, and uh, I I intend to keep it for for as long as I possibly can. Which means maybe one day it will include me renovating a house I own. We'll see. That would be great. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's a that's a great long term. Yeah, I want it to last Idea. for a really long time. Totally. So give it, give out that URL URL again. Um, thanks, Jim, for making me feel like I'm not pimping myself out. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome, Megan. And if you pledge now, <laughs> call your local PBS station for $65. We'll provide you with a DVD or Betamax copy of this week's episode of Nerd Novice. <laughs> oh, the phones are ringing. No, um, it's called. What is it? HTTP colon slash slash www dot rentalrevival dot com. Rentalrevival dot com. Got it. That is it. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm pumped. Awesome. So I went out to a bunch of thrift stores, took the dog, had a little mini road trip. The sun was awesome. It was it was nice, but it was really cold. Still, mm. but it was nice to have sunshine. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Indeed. Anyway. We're at the end, Megan. Mm. This is it. This is why I'm drinking. End of the line. I'm sad. This, this is why mommy drinks, Toonie. <laughs> <laughs> because Buffy's over and Star Trek's over. She's sleeping. Don't wake her. Poor little... Poor little puppy doesn't know what's happened to her mother. Mommy's sad. Yeah. Mommy's sad. Creepy Uncle Jim's sad. (laughs) No, she likes you. You gave her cheese. I I did. I gave her some cheese and we became very good friends. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sad. Oh my god, I got a little teary eyed there. In, in these uh, Star Trek episodes, yeah, they were so good. Yeah, so good. You watched? I loved these ones. Did you watch all four? Yeah. Okay. All today. <laughs> Wait, because till we last are minute. not procrastinators. Oh my god, I'm the worst. That's so, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I watched. Um, yeah, I watched all four. I watched Dark Page, mm-hmm. Lower Decks. I loved that episode. Yeah. And um, All Good Things, parts one and two. Cool. And then I didn't notice, but um, on Netflix, there is that little like retrospective. I didn't even know that. Jonathan, really? Jonathan Frakes, or how do you say his last Frakes, name? Frakes, yeah. Yeah. Um, he has like some sort of retrospective. Um, it's up on Netflix. It's an episode after... All good things. Oh, I was cool. like, "What is this? Is all good things not the last one?" And then I looked at the summary, and it's just like a. I think it must be part of the bonus content or something. Yeah, it's from ships. like the DVD yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh my god, Jim! Wait, I forgot to tell you. I need to like. You need to. Um. Oh, shoot, I want you to see this picture that I took like live. So I'm gonna text it to you. Okay. When I went to the thrift store today, uh, the one in Ravenna. They had the most amazing product that I really wanted to buy, but I didn't because it was expensive. But holy crap, I freaked out when I saw it. So I'm going to find it. Hold on. Texting you a picture. Sending that message through multimedia. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Even that was was bad by my standards. Dear Lord. It was good until the last (laughs) Oh, um, no. Okay. And I'm sending this to you and then we have to put it up on the website because it's awesome and it's related to our podcast. Okay. Sending, sending, sending. It always waits and then 98% it sits there for a while. Mm. Hold on. I've got my phone in hand. I'm, I'm, I turned the volume up so you can hear the little swoosh sound. Okay. You get that? Mm-hmm. It just swooshed. There we go. Let's see. Is it loading? Oh, wait. <gasps> I know! What? And that's at a store? Yeah! For sale? Yeah. It was, like, really expensive. How much is it? It's like over a hundred dollars. How much over a hundred dollars? I forget. I I, for, I should have written it down. It's expensive. Don't don't. Oh crap! You, and it's big. You named the store. Yeah. In the podcast, it's really big. Oh, um, somebody's gonna go I'm, and buy this. No, they're not. No one's gonna go buy it. That's go beautiful. Buy it. Yeah, it's huge. It's um. Should I describe it or should we wait so that you can buy it? Yeah, first? you better just no. Go ahead. That's fine. I okay. Listen, I no one's good. I can't you afford don't, it. It was it's, expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome. Whatever. So tell anyway. tell the nice tell the nice creepos what, what it is that we're discussing. It's this giant and I swear that the frame was like three feet wide. You know, it was huge. Um it's a giant picture artfully done of the USS Enterprise in space. That's a beautiful painting. It's got like beautiful colors in space and everything too it's not just like you know black yeah. with stars 
it's got like wonderful cloud looking stuff and like yellow and red and goldish colors and it's really nice i saw it and i like gasped really loud and the store attendant was like what's going on i'm like oh my god i have to take a picture of this (laughs) wow yeah oh my god i know that's fantastic i know you should probably go get it i I would do so well with members of an unspecified gender if i had that painting well because i believe in equality and i won't say Um, (laughs) no it's it's gorgeous though I mean it was huge I don't know I don't even know where I would ever put it probably in the space attic well you couldn't put it anywhere but the space attic come on (laughs) I should really make this place look more like space (gasps) oh my god when I was in middle school I got those glow in the dark um, stars on my ceiling Mm -hmm. totally get more of those yeah totally Okay, we're going off topic. Okay. Um, no, okay, so these episodes. Okay. So good. Like, seriously, so good. I was just, I was really glad to end our discussion of, of uh, Next Generation with these episodes. It was just, I loved them. Um, Dark Page was a really nice introspective into, you know, Deanna and her mom. I hadn't met Loxwana yet. So it was cool. And um, little Kirsten Dunst is that little girl. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah boy, she was young when they made that. Yeah. Um, so it was really awesome. It was um, it was about um, like it kind of gave you more of a more of a sense of um, how Deanna Troy's mind works and how her her like abilities function. And um, that her mom even has a little bit more than she does because she's only half, uh, what's it called? Betazoid. Betazoid. Yeah. And um, Yeah, well, De- Deanna's half. Yeah, Deanna's her, half. Her, her mother is a full, full Betazoid. Yeah. And um, so basically they were, they were trying to, um, they were trying to incorporate this other species that only communicates with telepathy, visual telepathy. And they were trying to get them to be accustomed more to language because they wanted to be part of the Federation. And um, so they needed to learn how to talk, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so her mom was working with them to bridge the gap between like what they wanted to say and how they should say it because they only use telepathy. And um, Deanna, basically her mom kind of falls ill and Deanna finds out that... Um, she had a sister when she was a baby and the sister, I guess, drowned. Right. Yeah. Um, which is really sad, but it was a nice little episode. It was kind of like, it was sad. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't have any context really. So like, I wish I would have, um, I don't know. I I don't know if anybody does really have any context, but it was kind of like, Oh, this family, I don't really know very well. Had a sad thing happen. That's sad. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the challenging part about that's that episode, thing, I guess, yeah. because in all of the the previous appearances of of Mrs. Troy, they're they're played mostly for for two reasons. You know, they've they've got her on there for two reasons: comic comic relief, 
because oh yeah she's like they, they uh, kind of play her for laughs because she's, she's like mrs bennett in uh pride and prejudice by the way um who's like constantly chattering about stupid crap no one cares about mm-hmm. and like easily always talking about her daughter getting married hello the whole entire point of that novel is about marriage mm-hmm. and um yeah so she's kind of like the classic like uh interfering mother who has like a really loud obnoxious mannerisms and you know whatever right she's like mrs bennett from pride and prejudice yeah so she's she's that and then there's the i guess it's related to it where there's sort of like that conflict a little bit it's a loving conflict but it's it is a conflict between deanna and her mom because her mom is kind of like obnoxious and really over the top and it, it exists in her own world. Yeah. And so anytime she's on the ship, Deanna's kind of like, ugh. Trying to like... Mother, yeah. what are you doing here? Yeah. And uh, and so, then she always bugs her about getting married. Right, right. So that's even worse. Yeah. So in this episode, you see you see her in a different light. It's It's an added dimension because she's having to deal with these these emotions that resurface because of the uh, the telepathic race that she's assisting. Mm-hmm. And it, it one of the things that, that's also kind of a bummer is that episode doesn't have Mr. Holm in it. And Mr. Yeah, Holm they is... they mentioned him. They mentioned they... him, yeah. And he's, he's her... He's Mrs. Troy's like helper slash butler person. And he's, he's cool because he's like seven feet tall or something. And he's blue and he never, is he blue? I forget. Um, I forget. but he never says anything. Like he never oh. speaks. Oh, really? Yeah. He's an, he's an alien guy, but he speaks, but he's got really good body language and you can totally tell like what he's thinking or meaning right. or whatever. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned him, but um he wasn't ever in there, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um it was just a really good good episode. Nice um like a nice personal storyline, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that and then you saw Lower Decks. Lower Decks was so good. It really is I'm one of so the best episodes were... in the series. Yeah, it was. It was like so good because I I didn't really expect there to be so much involvement with the main characters. I thought like the way you described it, I thought that it was just going to be kind of like like they're not really part of the show. Like you know what I mean? But yeah, there I was didn't, a whole I didn't describe plot it well. Line. No, that's fine. But yeah. there was a whole plot line involving everybody and um basically like the um the ensigns are all kind of up for promotion they're doing like career evaluations and Riker and Deanna are and um so while they're up for promote promotion um that's going on but then at the same time there's like some sort of uh regular business happening you know where um where a member of a the basically sounds like Kardashian race what is it <laughs> The Car- Kardashians. Like, the Kardashians. Just think Kardashian, Kardas, Kardashian ass. Yeah. Kardashians. Yeah. Um. And uh, wait, no. 
Cardassians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ass. Um, ass. They kind of look like them, too. No, I'm just kidding. They don't really at all, but they should. Um, so um they the they're like a really uh vengeful species or something right mm-hmm. and like this one guy is um kind of like a you know he's a federation ally and he's trying to go on some mission so he takes one of the ensigns with him to pre- pretend she's a prisoner that was really cool she totally proved herself it was a really cool episode i don't know what else to say other than i loved I loved like seeing all of the um, the other people that you've seen around in episodes before, like the one girl who helps out in the um, sick bay. She's in a few episodes, mm-hmm. and um, Alyssa. Oh, uh, Nurse Agawa, yeah, yeah, and um, I didn't recognize any of the the blonde girl. I think I might have recognized her from other episodes, but. Um, yeah, so it was just it was really cool. I liked it a lot. It was a really cool way to sort of um experience other people on the Enterprise before the series ends. It was just it was neat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's rough because you in a very short period of time over the course of just a single episode, you really kind of come to to like the the lower crew member characters and then Ensign Cito gets ordered yeah. to her death. Yeah. At the end and Picard has to say look, I need you to go on this mission. He doesn't order her though. No, no. Yeah. Um he tells her it's her choice. Right. And she she goes on it and that's apparently it for her. She was never uh, she was never brought back in any subsequent series or something. Yeah, because so it the, it's okay, I was wondering that because it wasn't really like clear that she died. They found they found uh, pieces of her escape pod like that had been and then they found the log in the uh uh what's the name of the other race that like killed the her Cardassians No, not it wasn't them that killed her, I don't think. Right? Oh, you know what? I don't remember. They were going through a border of some other species and okay. he needed to look like he was trying to pass through with a prisoner. Right. Yeah. And then and then she escapes in the escape pod, like according to plan. Mm-hmm. But they're not supposed to notice that. They're supposed to not notice the escape pod. But they did notice it and they blew it up. Right. But like they don't ever find they don't ever like confirm that she's dead other than they see the escape pod pieces and then they see in the log of this ship that um they destroyed it. And so they just I mean, she's pretty much dead, but I know it was like kind of open-ended so i figured that maybe it might come back but i don't know yeah i think you i mean you're right i think i think they did intentionally leave it just a teeny bit open-ended and because at that at that same time star trek deep space nine was on the air as well because there was like a two-year one or two-year overlap between those two series and Uh deep space nine takes place on a Bajoran space station that was previously occupied by the Cardassians. And mm-hmm. so they were like big, big races in that, in that series. So I have a feeling maybe the thought was, well, maybe we can have her pop up on deep, deep space nine or something, but, but that, then it never materialized. They didn't materialize. And, and 
frankly, I think that's probably just as well because I think that episode it ends really lost, well. Yeah, it ends great, and I think it would have lost a little bit of its power. Yeah, if if she had shown up like three weeks later on Deep Space Nine. Hey, everybody, how's it going? I'm not really dead. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I I definitely like the way it ended, even though it was sad. Um. Both both uh, lower decks and uh, all good things. I like how they end with um, sort of intermingling of different ranks on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the end of um, Lower Decks, basically Lieutenant Worf is really sad because um, Ensign Sito was his was like his ensign. Basically, I don't know. It seemed like he kind of had a crush on her too, but I don't really know. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe yeah. a little bit. He was but definitely kind of her mentor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, mentor. Yeah, yeah that's a good way of yeah. saying it. Yeah, so um, he was kind of, he was, you know, really sad, and he eventually sort of joined the table of the three or four ensigns that were friends with her in the in the episode. You know, you see them being friends and whatever. And at the end of Lower Decks, they all sit together just to kind of commemorate her. Right. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. And, you know, I feel really bad about what I said um, last week about how the guy playing Worf is, like, really awkward sometimes. Because I think... I take that back. Um, I really like his facial expressions. I like the way he acts. Because it's it's a little bit different. Like, he he's he's always really rough on the exterior. But it's just... I like him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I like him in this episode. And I like him in the next episode, too that I watched. Yeah. I think he's really cool. Yeah. Worf, Worf is great. The actors, the actor is great too. Michael Dorn is, is really good. Yeah. And I think of, you have to think too of about like how hard, and this would apply to Buffy as well with all the prosthetic makeup that they yeah. do, how hard it is to act Move and, your face and, con- around. and convey emotion. Yeah. Under all that makeup. Totally. That would creep me out. To have oh I know I would be my so face basically no be paralyzed. I can't even put on a mask like a not like a like a beauty mask. You know, like they get that like mud or whatever, and you put it on your face and like it's supposed to help your skin. Mm-hmm. I've done that once, and I was like, get this off me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I left it on for like thirty seconds, and I was like, I can't do this. It feels so constricting. Like I feel claustrophobic about oh, yeah. it. I'm sure I would never be able to wear that much uh, prosthetics. No, thank you. Yeah. So. But, but yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I really like that episode too. I don't know. I, I highly recommend it just as like a standalone episode. Oh yeah. You could totally just watch that and nothing else and probably mm-hmm. feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Totes. Yeah. So. So all good things. All good things. Oh, the last TNG episode. I loved this so much. Um, you know, it makes me like genuinely. It makes me so happy to hear that. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, whenever you talk about loving Buffy, I feel the same way. It's like, oh, yeah. Like this episode. It was so cool to see them as old people like later in life even felt satisfying to me having only seen what like somewhere around you've probably watched 15 to 20 yeah, like, episodes yeah, yeah 
it was really satisfying to see them. Like it was almost like an epilogue, you know? Um, it was really, really cool. I just, I really liked, I felt, I felt connected to them enough to really feel, um, like my story was being concluded in a nice way. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart with a beard looks like Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah. It, they you're look right. really similar. Yep. And they even have like the same mannerisms. Yeah. And now Ian McKellen is officiating Patrick Stewart's wedding. That's yep. So. Um, I just, he's so cute as an old man with his little straw hat. And then he later changes into like this Jedi tunic. Mm-hmm. Adorable. Yeah. Um, okay, you lied to me. I don't lie. I just get things wrong all the time. You lied. <laughs> what did I lie you told, about? You I told didn't... me in our very first episode of, well, it was our second podcast episode, but mm-hmm. our first time talking about Star Trek, uh-huh. I was like, Beverly and Picard totes get together. And you were like, no, they don't. Well, that's an alternate future. But they kissed in the real future, in the real time. She was telling him about his, um, like, brain defect. Oh, yeah. <gasps> you lie. I forgot. And when they, um, like, because, like, okay, so they that happens. And then, like, basically this episode, Picard's, like, bouncing around different time periods, blah, blah, blah. It's all happening crap's going on and um in the one feature where he's old and he wears a little straw hat and he looks like a jedi gandalf jedi <laughs> um he is divorced from dr crusher yeah and she's captain of a medical ship yeah and they still bicker yeah and she's captain picard i love that part where the ensign's like captain picard and they both go what yeah <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah. Um, so, but then, okay. So that we're going to talk about that, but along the lines of them not having anything in the present time, um, at the end of the episode, when he joins the poker game, it seems like he told everyone what happened and how they were in the future in order for them to not end up that way. And I think that partially he did that so that him and Beverly wouldn't end up like divorced. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he's, he sort of, he, uh, well, he had a glimmer about it. Like he was like, I don't want this to screw up. Yeah. That, I think, I think that's true. I think that's, that's very perceptive. I think he is, possibly to a certain extent trying to steer their reality because he saw the the alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't really end up panning out that way. I'm such a girl. And, I want it to happen. Oh, well, me too. Listen, you know, listen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when I was a little girl, I played Barbies too, and I want <laughs> Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher to hook up just as much as you do. 
But what happened, there's there's two big things that happen after that episode that kind of undo that that sentiment, at least partially. Well, one of them makes it even more vague in in a sense. In Generations, which is the movie that actually came out, it came out the same year that uh, Next Generation ended. They, so they, they, or it came out the following. Was it, it must, taking place like a few following. years later or something? Uh, it takes place like a year later or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they, they wrapped up the series and then like, I think like three, four months later or something, probably not more than six months later, they started shooting the the movie. But any anyways, there's uh, there's this scene where Picard gets sucked into this thing called the Nexus, which is like this energy ribbon that you get trapped in and you within the Nexus whatever you imagine would make you happy you you live through Aww. so if you you imagine peace and happiness hanging out with your family or uh like captain kirk is stuck in the nexus and he's out in the woods chopping logs and hanging out with his fiance or whatever yeah um Picard gets gets trapped in the Nexus and he has a a fantasy of being with his family on Christmas Day. Uh-huh. And so he's in his chateau in France <laughs> or whatever and he has several children and his nephew who died is is there and mm. his wife is in this fantasy. And she's a redhead who looks awfully like Dr. Crusher, but it's not Dr. Crusher. What the what? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like Maybe they thought the rule of the Nexus was a living person can't be part of your fantasy in the Nexus. Or but maybe I don't know. or maybe like she was just like a image of Dr. Crusher and not really Dr. You know what I mean? Maybe it was like the. Uh, I just maybe, wanted to happen. Maybe, but the the thing is, is two movies later. Uh, so after after generations, there's first contact, and then there's a movie called Insurrection. And in Insurrection, he develops a romantic relationship with another woman. Okay, but here's the thing: I don't understand. Like that doesn't that doesn't pan out like realistically and I'm going to expand this conversation to uh, Deanna and Riker too, because in all good things, Deanna and Worf are together. Right. Do they like stay together? No. Okay. Because here's the thing in real life, when you find someone that you're super connected to, you don't wait 20 years like that to marry them. Mm -hmm. Like why, why is Dr. Crusher and Captain Picard, why are they so reluctant to get together? Why? Tell me. Well, I think part of <laughs> I just want no, to No! Answer the question! They would be so goddamn happy! No. No, they um, would. I Well, I think what it comes down to is he's the captain, so he is her 
superior officer. He's everybody's superior officer. And he was officer. friends. He was friends with her husband. Like so they they were besties. Fiction. Like well, in it's all, sort of like a lot of stories that happens. Yeah, you connect with the person. Whatever. Yeah. Just really sad. I want it to happen so bad. Yeah. No, me too. It Not would as be great. much as they me. You don't together. even know. Okay. You don't understand. I don't, I don't know you. I don't, don't know you. Don't know how me. I feel. Okay, so, so they drop they drop the whole Worf uh Troy thing. I almost said Worf and Picard. Uh that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read any Worf Picard slash fiction. Yeah. Out of all the slash fiction I have read. Yeah. I don't think I've read any of that. But uh yeah, Worf and Troy, they drop that like a hot potato. And yeah. like they they don't even really acknowledge Was it, it even in the episode before? Like it it, it, just... it yeah, it had been going on yeah. for It was like a little a couple couple episodes. It doesn't make sense. There's no there's no emotional sense to it at yeah. all. Yeah, I don't know what they were really thinking with that. They were thinking that they wanted more time to figure out Troy and Riker and they the needed like love a conflict. Trek. What? The I was singing uh, Love Track. Oh yeah. Of love Boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, they wanted like a conflict. Mhm. That's what it was. Yeah. Worf was a stand-in. Yeah. But Worf Worf goes to Deep Space 9. And so, did you know that? No, I didn't. So if you want to check out more Worf he becomes, I think it's the beginning of season three for DS9 or season four. He becomes a regular on, on Deep Space Nine. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he meets one of the main characters of Deep Space Nine, and they end up getting married. Oh. And she gets killed, but she's a, a symbiote. So she has like this alien that lives inside of her, mm-hmm. as well as her. And like the host gets killed. And, oh. and but the symbiote lives, so he gets like a new wife. But it's the same. But it's the same. It's like partially the same person. Yeah, it's sort of loose, very, very loosely. It's like the Doctor getting right. regenerated okay. in Doctor Who. Yeah, so it's and, kind of a different personality, but the same. Right. It's meat. well that the yeah. same beat is there. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different personality. But it's the same. It's all the same memories. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So he's, he finds his love and That's then loses her. Yeah. Everyone like loses everything in this show. Mm-hmm. Like who mm-hmm. actually does become happy in the end? Does does Picard ever marry? Does no. Does it ever show? No. The, what the? No. It's so dumb. Well, at least at least Troy and Riker get married. They do? Yeah. They get married in Star Trek Nemesis. Yes. Oh. That's good. And he and he becomes a captain. Oh my god. And they both go he gets his own ship. Freaking validation yeah. finally. God, man, jeez. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Okay, what is this called because I'm going to watch it. It's Star Trek Nemesis. Is it a movie? It is a movie. It is the final Star Trek Next Gen movie. Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to watch it and be all Batting my eyelashes happy, girly yeah. happy that they're... I'm oh. pretty sure that's on net Netflix right now. Okay. Yeah. So it's get happy. it while you can. 
I will. Um, so a few more things about this episode. Um, well, we're kind of talking a lot here, but that's all right. Um, I love how it ended with the poker game and Captain Picard comes in and it's like, can I join you? I should have done this a long time ago. It's really cute. I love that. That's a nice little ending because yeah. the poker is kind of like that thing that they do all the time and it makes them, it makes them relatable. Had you ever seen of the few episodes that, that I've picked for you, did they ever have the poker game as oh, part yeah. of them? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen it a few times. Okay. Good. Oh, good. Good. So yeah. it was all that much more meaningful then. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's what I was meaning. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely like, like, oh yeah, he totally should have been there the whole time. And I like how they weren't like, this is awkward. They were all like, oh, hey, cool. Nice like they'd been, us. they had been hoping it, hoping. Yeah. <laughs> they've been hoping for years that he would come. Yeah. Yeah. That was sweet. I liked yep. it. Um, okay, so Q. Um, I want to talk about that because at the end of the episode, I, I wrote this down. He um, was talking to Picard at the end. He's like, okay, you succeeded. Good job, whatever. Like always. He always does that and it's so annoying. Ugh. But <laughs> he goes, that's not the exploration that awaits about him. Like, basically mapping he goes mapping stars or charting the unknown um he said something about the exploration that awaits you is charting the unknown possibilities of existence like it's like this big deal that picard's gonna accomplish something really crazy is that Mm -hmm. does that happen in a movie or something does that pan out well he does basically q says something along the lines of like you have no idea what's to come yeah, I think th- I think there's double meaning there. Um, it's you know on one hand, yeah, Picard does do great things in his life following that episode. Uh, First contact is is a really really like save the save the galaxy type film. Uh, but I don't think it related directly. It certainly didn't relate directly to that in any way. So much as it, I think what Q was just trying to say is like, no matter what you think you've seen of the future, you don't really know what's going to happen. So, so like anything you just saw in the future isn't guaranteed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, that's what he was basically saying. Yeah. And that's even as a, as a lifelong Trek fan, that's why I've even been conditioned to refer to that as alternate timeline rather than future. Okay. You know what I mean? Because it's, yes, it's the future, but it's a future alternate timeline. Right. In, in the right. same way, like the J.J. The Abrams track is an alternate timeline. And any... Anything that you, the idea being like anything that you do, any choice you make or whatever can branch out to any, like a whole new timeline. Yeah. So if you're like, I'm going to eat wings tonight or I'm going to eat steak instead. Like if you eat steak, then that's one timeline. If you have wings, then that's another timeline. 
right, if you have right, both, right. then that's I think utopia. that's a pretty common science fiction storyline. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's cool because it's almost like the whole time you watch things unfold, you're wondering if it's going to unfold the way that you saw it unfold. You right. know, like, is this going to be the timeline or is it going to somehow change? So it's almost like it's cool because you, you know, you kind of know the future, but you don't really know the future at all. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. watching to see if it's going to pan out the way you think it will. Right. Exactly. And we, we've seen alternate timelines like a ton of times on Next Gen. What's kind of interesting is in so many of them, Deanna's dead. Yeah, she was dead in this one. Yeah. Is that just because she didn't want to be in the episode as much? I, I don't think that has anything to do with it, really. I don't think so. I don't know why. That's weird. I don't know if there's a real reason for it. Maybe. But it sure is <laughs> it sure is a coincidence. Like I guess I guess the thing is is like they, they want some like if, if you if you want to affect Riker and Worf emotionally in some way the best way to do it is to kill Deanna because they both really care about her. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that she's half Betazoid and like she can't exist in a fake timeline or something. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think so, but you know what? It's, it's you know what funny I mean, though. No, I know what you're saying. Uh, it's funny because in, you remember that book? I think I mentioned last week or a couple of weeks ago, Imzadi. Yeah. That I want us to read. Um, Snort. The the impetus for that story deals with, like, Deanna's dead, now what are we going to do? Sort of thing. Huh. Yeah, it's really really kind of wild. That's weird. I wonder why that is. Yeah. We should research that. Yeah, I mean, it could be I've I've never, I've, I've thought about that for a long time, but I've never been like compelled to Google search it and see if other people have theories or yeah, something. like there's a whole or if it, maybe it has been explained, then I'm just not privy to well, if anyone out what there the knows, rationale was yeah, let us know if anyone out any of the creepos yep want to tell creepos. us you guys know what's up, let us know, tweet us, yeah. So I'm liking how this episode is turning into a double feature here because it's our last one. So let's just rock this. Yeah, it's um, fine. I'm good. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed Star Trek and I'm definitely going to look into some of the other series. I think I might actually look into other series of Star Trek before I finish Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm curious to see the other ones. Um and I don't really want to wait to watch all of Next Generation first. I think it, it, you haven't asked for a recommendation. Um, so if I, if I may be so bold as to give you an unsolicited recommendation. Do it. Deep Space Nine. Okay. Okay. For a couple of reasons. It is – it has the most – intrigue in it the most character conflict conflict like interpersonal stuff which i th- i think you are kind of a fan of mm-hmm. has good character development and it also has out of all the star trek series 
it has the most story arc driven shows. Okay, so, so like you know how yeah, yeah. So like you you watch over the course of five, ten, or even in an entire season, and there's kind of a major right major theme. I like that a happening. lot. So that would make sense. Yeah. So Deep Space Nine, I think, is totally, totally for you. Okay, I do want to like check out a couple episodes of uh, of. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, my f- stupid thing just went on screensaver. Um, I do want to check out a couple episodes of uh, the original series just because I want to see the characters like in action. Oh, you, so I'll, you I'll totally probably watch should. a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. No, when I when I say like check out Deep Space Nine, I'm not like saying at the exclusion of of examining right. anything else. I'm but just. But I saying, definitely like, do want to do that though. I almost want to do it first because I don't know. I just want to see Captain Kirk and I want to see Spock a little bit too and. Just kind of check out what that's about. Mm-hmm. But but I'll probably only watch a handful of episodes and then go on to mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine because, I don't know, I think maybe the original series might be one of those things that I'll watch an episode here and there and it won't be like a whole endeavor. Right. Can I give you like three original series episodes off the top of my head? Yeah. I mean, totally. Okay. What is that? Um, Amok Time. A M O K T I M E Amok Time. Okay. The City on the Edge of Forever. Co-starring Joan Collins. Cool. And the Corbamite Maneuver. The what? The Corbamite Maneuver. C O R. B O M I T E maneuver. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check those out. That's some good good Kirk and Spockage. Awesome. Yeah, I totally want to check yeah. those out. Um, cool. So with that, I think we um say goodbye for now to next generation. Yes. We could do the whole thing. I'm not going to. Not on this show. Yeah. So, yes, it was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. No, I'm so happy you liked it. That makes me really happy. I am too. I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah. Star Star Trek is really Star Wars and Star Trek are really really special to me. They are. They're really important in my life. And I I know that sounds weird to say about something that's just a TV show or just a movie. I don't think um, that's weird at all. But they've they've affected me in so many different ways. Because first it starts out. This is a side tangent. Maybe this isn't really the time or place to. No, I think this is the to get into time. it. Um, I can when we talk about Star Wars stuff at some point. This definitely I could get way deep into, but uh, but essentially, for me, when I think of Star Wars and Star Trek, they started out just as these things that I just kind of liked as a kid, mm-hmm. obviously, and. 
they appealed to me just on that pure entertainment level. Right. But as I got older, I started to think about, well, I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. You know, I love whatever. But why do I like it? What's interesting about it? So you start to think critically about something, and then you can you can begin to appreciate it on entirely new levels. Right. And then the other thing, too, was they they inspired my interests on a uh, i guess you could call it career level or professional level or 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 something to where you start to think about well i really like the music in star trek or i like the music in star wars so with star trek i go you know i really like the music from star trek the motion picture composed by Jerry Goldsmith. So then you start to think about, well, what other film music might I be interested in? Mm-hmm. Or you you think, boy, these are really cool sound effects. How do they make the sound effects? Mm-hmm. And then you learn more about how they do sound design and what are the different components of those sounds because a lot of them start out organically or actually uh, created by musical instruments, you know, whatever, right. stuff like that. And... It really, it, I am absolutely sincere when I when I say this. Those things ended up shaping where I went career wise into audio. I definitely think Star Wars um, definitely did that for me yeah. as far as um, being a musician goes because I loved that music too. Yeah, yeah, huge influences for me in in that regard, and like, um, you know, there, there's. Star Wars and Star Trek toys, and I, I had well, they weren't when I was a kid. There really wasn't much in the way of Star Trek toys, but as I got a little bit older, they came out with toys, and I treated them like collectibles. So I got yeah. really nerdy about that. I would go to like Kmart and get the latest Star Trek figures and keep them nice on their in their package and. So it became kind of an obsession on that level. So anyways, there's. Well, and I think it probably it probably uh, inspired a lot of the friendships, too, that you have. Oh, yeah. You know, no question. Like, yeah. You become friends with people because of things you like. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is always. So yeah. then you, you sort of get an attachment to those things even more because they're what kind of hold you and your and your posse together. Yeah. Some of some of my closest friends from college were fellow Trek fans. Yeah. And I can remember when when the last episode of Next Gen aired. I was in college at the time and my parents had a satellite dish. And the satellite dish had what they call raw feeds or wild feeds of uh, syndicated TV shows. Uh So if you had a satellite dish, you could watch these shows in advance of when they typically aired on your local TV channel. And um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's not so much common anymore because things there, the independent channels are kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. And it doesn't really happen with like an NBC or ABC show sort of thing. Oh, and plus there's like direct TV now, so. Right, 
right. you can kind of watch anything whenever, anyway. Right, right. But this was back in a day when, you know, they had to feed these shows to your local, you know, WUAB. You're from Cleveland. You're not, well, you're not really from Cleveland, are you? Well, I'm from, I got the Cleveland stations. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like Channel 43 in Cleveland used to show right. Star Trek, and they're an independent station. Yeah. Um, but they would receive a transmission from Paramount for their Star Trek episodes. And those typically would be like a week in advance. So like they would beam it on a Saturday and then the following Saturday it would air on their station. And they did that because the the transmission for the episodes would also have like the promos for the following week's episodes and and all of that stuff. But anyways, I'm going like way off the rails here, but um with the final episode of Next Gen, they didn't air it a week in advance. They wanted to keep it as of a secret as long as they could. Uh-huh. So they aired it like three or four days before um it would typically air instead of the full the full week. And so we recorded it. Uh, my dad recorded it at like four o'clock in the morning <laughs> when it was it was almost like a secret transmission in a way. Yeah, like and they we didn't rec- want anyone to watch. Right. No, that's exactly what they were doing. That is awesome. Because it would it would usually be on, it would usually transmit at like three in the afternoon or something. Yeah. So they did it like four in the morning. That is crazy. so exciting. And I, oh my God, it was, it was incredibly exciting because, so I had this tape and I took it to my buddy's dorm room and there were like 10 or 12 of us in this tiny ass dorm room, just geeking out on the last episode of Star Trek. That is probably the coolest memory ever. I mean, that is, that is so awesome. That's one of those things that will never leave you. Oh no. That that is so cool. Yeah, it's really, really neat. That's really neat. I like that. Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. So. Very meaningful. Okay. So. Moving on to Buffy. Then. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. I don't know if there were really any cry-worthy moments. I cried just because it was like a very meaningful ending and stuff. But I was disappointed. I I, def- I definitely cried. I lied because I I cry when I like to cry when characters are walking into what they think might be their death, but mm-hmm. they walk in anyway, and it's like that courageous decision. Mm-hmm. I always cry like. A baby at that kind of thing you know this this last two-parter and, and Buffy was interesting to me because Buffy is pretty confident in that episode it's kind of a contrast to a lot of the previous boss yeah, fights she, where she, she finally has this plan where she's like this is gonna work yeah and she um she um I think she she sort of has like a a gut feeling about it, like a a real feeling about it. Like that one moment where she 
I don't know if that that wasn't in an episode that you saw, right? Where she stands there and she's like, I just realized we're going to win. Did you see that part? That's I think they did that in the next to last episode. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I just love that part. Yeah. She she has that moment where she's like, "Oh my god, we're totally going to win this." And then from that point on, she's she's all in it, you know. Yeah. So um So that was yeah, that was just really different compared to the previous boss fights where she sort of went in it thinking there's no hope or I really don't know how she kind of wings it get out of this one. Yeah. She totally wings it. And it was, it was refreshing to see her go into the last one going, yeah, we got this. Totally. I mean, it it certainly comes at great cost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they all waltz into it and are like nailed it. Yeah. No, no problems at all. Yeah. Because lots and lots of people die, but Yeah. Uh that was that was real different, I think. For sure. Now So well like before you talk about those though, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh I was just gonna say let's bump back up to Backtrack. Uh the season premiere for episode seven, which I watched. You mean season seven? Season did I, what did I say? Episode seven. Episode seven. Episode one. Hey, we never said that this was episode nine. It's episode nine. I'm Jim. I'm Megan. Okay. Thanks for See you listening. next week. <laughs> Good show, everybody. Um. So, wait, did you watch the season opener? Wait. No, I'm looking at... I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Um, you watched Conversations with Dead yeah, People. Yeah, no, I started out with Conversations with Dead yeah. People, Get It Done, End of Days, and Chosen. So, yeah, Conversations with Dead People... This was another one of those, I, I'm reluctant to call it this, but for the, for lack of better description, this is kind of one of those uh, stunt or gimmick episodes where it's, it's, not, a, it's not a typical narrative. Um, but I really, I really, really liked it. Can you summarize it a little bit? Because I wanted to get around to watching it again, but I didn't. And maybe for the people that didn't really watch the whole thing, I'm going to look it up on my laptop right now. Just yeah. So basically what happens in, in this episode, you, you have several of the different, several of the characters, uh, they're, they're kind of doing their own things one night. Uh, Buffy is out on patrol by herself. Dawn is at home alone. Jonathan and Andrew are out doing something. They're snooping around the school, I think it is. And Willow's at the library. Now, Jonathan and Andrew, you're going to have to like explain them yeah. to me because I didn't really like get them at all. Okay. Much less care for them as, as characters. But I love Andrew, but okay. Um, yeah, he I mean he gets to be okay. Um so the characters are kind of out doing their own things one night. But they all have similar circumstances happen to them in the sense that they end up having a conversation with a dead person. So for for Buffy, 
what that means, it's actually very funny. Uh, she's fighting a vampire in a cemetery, and the vampire turns out to be somebody that she went to high school with. Yeah. And they're like in the middle of this big fight, and she's probably going to, they're kind of kicking each other's butts or whatever. And he's like, hey, Buffy? Buffy Summers? And she's yeah. like, uh. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, you know, blah, whoever. Yeah. And um, so they, they go down the path of, of their whole conversation and it's it's funny because they they talk for a while and then they start to fight again yeah and then they talk more because he's a he i'm looking up the summary because i wanted to remind myself and now i'm totally remembering this um he's a psychologist and he starts to like psychoanalyze right yeah yeah it's so funny yeah yeah so that 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 story arc is is good and then with Dawn, what's happening with with her is, like I said, she's home alone, and she starts to she's on the phone phone with one of her friends. She hears a sound from like outside or something, mm-hmm. and she opens the door, the front door, and there's like this huge wind and whatever. And what seems to happen is like a a spirit or something ghost gets into the house. Yeah. And sort of and starts haunting her and then she starts to have visions of her mother's body on the couch and this this ghost is she thinks that her mom's trying to contact her. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so she's dealing with that and Willow is at the library. And this this girl, Cassie, right? Yes. Uh, Cassie shows up. You didn't and, see her at all. No, I, mi- I missed out on her, but she was a character from the series she, who died. Basically, she was a young girl that um, like had a prediction that she would die. And uh, so Buffy tries to help her. And it turns out that like she is a possible sacrifice for this like cult or something like that. But Buffy ends up saving her from that. So like she saves her from the supernatural death. But then the girl dies anyway because she had some sort of heart defect. So like it was kind of one of those it was her time mm. storylines where Buffy couldn't save her. And um, basically she was just like a young girl who died. And mm-hmm. Buffy tried to help. And she did. But then the girl died anyway. I um, see. Okay. So she's just, yeah. And she was only in like an episode or two before that one. So she's very fresh in your mind when she shows up in this episode. Okay. Okay. So yeah, she, she shows up at the library and seems to be channeling Tara. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have a, I have a message for you from Tara or Tara can speak through me. You know, it's something it's not really Tara can speak through me, but I'm communicating with Tara and and so Willow's freaking out yeah. about this and there Tara's or Willow's trying to tell Tara, Oh my gosh, I miss you and I love you and, and all of this stuff. And then eventually it reaches a point in the conversation where the 
the girl tries to convince Willow to not only stop using her magic, but to kill herself and to so she can join Tara. Yeah. And at that point, Willow's BS detector kind of goes yes. off. Yes. And she's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is not Tara. Right. Yeah. So basically, it's revealed that the evil that they're dealing with is the first evil. And it can take on a form of any dead person. Right. That's so, what's revealed. Right. And, oh, Spike has his own storyline as part of this episode. He's mm-hmm. he's at the bar and he hooks up with with somebody. And it's like he hooks up but he's really sad about it. Yeah. Because he really he really wants Buffy. And I need I need some help from you in a little bit explaining or clarifying exactly where Buffy and Spike stand on on things. But <clears throat> so Spike's in there miserably hooking up. And then finally, Jonathan and Andrew are they're what is what is the deal with that? They're looking for like an artifact. So basically, um, what's well, happening? Uh, is, I'm sorry. Be- before you even like explain what's happening with them, yeah, can you explain to me like a more on who they are? Well, they were um, Warren was the guy that Willow flayed. Right. Right. Yeah. They're just, um, okay, so basically in the season prior to this, um, these three guys are just sort of like normal dudes that, it's almost like Joss Whedon's way of making the big bad just human beings. Um, They're like these three guys who like sort of glorify doing um, not so good things, but really they're, they're more... Jonathan and Andrew are kind of the idiots and Warren is the, the intelligent guy of the group. And okay. I'm Warren glad you is, put it that way because that's kind of how I felt about them. Well, yeah. And Warren, Warren is um, very manipulative and he basically, he basically glorifies what they're doing as like, they're basically nerds. They, they want to be like superheroes, you know, and, or like villains, evil villains, like, but in the sense of from like a comic, mm-hmm. so they don't really see it as morally wrong, but, that's because Warren is very manipulative and sort of convinces them to do all these things. And, um, uh, it's kind of implied that Andrew is gay, but never comes out and that he loves Warren. Um, so Warren easily manipulates him into killing Jonathan, but it's really not Warren. It's the first. Right. Okay. So these three guys are just normal guys who are led by the one who's Warren and he, he's kind of the one who kind of is morally um, wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't have a very good, he's a bad guy. So Jonathan and Andrew just sort of follow him on whatever he wants to do. And they just kind of cause random mayhem. And uh, it's kind of goofy up until it gets towards the end of the season where Warren really kind of flips his lid and, just kills Tara by accident, but really is trying to kill Buffy just with a gun because he really does want to kill Buffy. Warren is like, 
uh, sexist and um, misogynistic and, you know, he just, he can't stand the fact that Buffy is strong and um, he wants to stop her. And the fact that she keeps stopping him really, really pisses him off to the point where he just wants to shoot her. Um, and that's, that's basically who they are. They're, they're kind of, they're Sunnydale high school students who turn into uh, a conflict trio kind okay. of. Um, but Warren is the one who really is, really is a bad guy. Andrew and Jonathan are kind of just stupid enough to follow him. I see. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And like Andrew and the fact that Andrew kills Jonathan in this episode, um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically the first is, is impersonating Warren communicating to Andrew because Andrew does, you know, it's never said, but you can tell he does have feelings for Warren. And, um, so he uses Andrew to kill Jonathan because he needs a sacrifice. He doesn't care who it is. He just needs a sacrifice and he knows that Andrew is weak enough to convince. So he convinces him to kill Jonathan and they open up that like seal in the ground of the hell mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main point. Cool. And then, and then, so now Jonathan and Warren are dead and Andrew basically is like taken captive by, by Buffy and everyone. And he ends up just living at the house kind of as like a prisoner, but you know, he's sort of free to roam around the house. Oh, okay. He's yeah. like under house arrest. kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's comic relief too. In the end. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that helps a lot with those guys. So, okay. Yeah. I this, think that's pretty much it for that episode, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just, a big setup for establishing that the first can take the form of any dead person and, and he works through business. works a lot through manipulation. Right. And that well, whole, I mean thing. like he's, he's basically like Satan, you know, he's, right. uh, he appeals to the humanity in people mm-hmm. in a bad way. Right. Like donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Totally like donuts. Yep. They're the devil. They are. I want one. Oh, me too. Donuts are so good. Especially Krispy Kreme. Well, I like the cream-filled ones. Okay, so anyway, get it done. Get her done. Get it done. They're getting it done in Buffy. And... Go ahead. Sorry. No, you you wanted me to explain Spike and Buffy. Um, let's hold off on that. Okay. I mean, I, I want to talk about quick. them in the last episode because that's where okay, it really all yeah, kind of yeah, comes yeah, to a head. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So get okay. it done. And this is the first episode where I see Principal Wood. Right. Uh, I think it was. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And so Buffy is apparently Buffy is working at the school. Yes. So she got a job. She got a job as like a kind of guidance counselor, but just sort of a influencer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Principal Wood and he's he's a 
for a lack of a better term, he's a good guy. And his his mother was a previous slayer. Yeah. She so, was the one. Did you end up watching Fool for Love by any chance? Uh, as far as you need to know, yes. But no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get to it. Okay. Well, in that episode, um, his mother is one of the slayers that Spike killed. Okay. So um, right. there's like a history there. Yeah. yeah. That that I did. I did know. Yeah. Um, so he, he knows what the deal is with Buffy and, and whatnot. And he he tells her, look, you need to focus on doing your slaying stuff and not farting around pretending to be a guidance counselor at school. Yeah. And so when this happens, she she at that point indoctrinates him into letting him know what she's got going on at the house. Um, and introduces him to Spike and, and all of this stuff. And the first is still, is still around manipulating people and Chloe, uh, she's one of the, the Slayer trainees, right? Yeah. Um, she kills herself. Because of the first, and then um, a portal gets opened that that sucks Buffy into like that desert vision yeah. where the first Slayer always is. Yes, and so she gains she gains a lot of the first Slayer insight. In this episode, and um, so she, in, in I guess I guess you call it a vision or something because it's not really yeah. happening, but um, it's a vision, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, she has this vision, and and she talks to um these people that that help create the first Slayer, right. And they are they they want to give her demon powers or something to make her more powerful. And she's like, no, that's not not wrong. And in fact, not only is that wrong, but you shouldn't even have even created the slayers in in the first place. Um, but as a as a result of the conversation, they give Buffy an additional vision within her vision. Right. And that shows her, um, that, that the, the that the health mouth is, is the, yeah. Then there's like all the, the stuff demons and is, stuff. Yeah. So basically that the first has created an army of a bunch of, uh, old school vampires that are like way more powerful than regular vampires. Turacon vampires to be exact. Turacon. Sounds like uh Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But they call them Uber vamps. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. um so she gets that vision. She gets the vision that uh they need to really think a little bit harder about what they're doing. Like this is not one of those battles that she can just wing it. 
Yeah. She's got yeah. she's got to plan this ahead of time. Yeah. And they're they're giving her the tools kind of to do it, right? So they're basically well, they're not really giving her the tools, but they're giving her the knowledge. The knowledge, yeah. 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 Um she's got a she's pretty much on her own on this one. Mhm. So so yeah, I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much the point of this one. I thought it's cool that you you can kind of see the first Slayer again and understand a little bit about how they were created and um, that basically the uh, the African you know tribal leaders or whatever uh, infused her with essence of demon, so right. that's how they created it in the first place. It's one of those things where we were talking about how Buffy's like kind of on the road to becoming the best slayer. Like, mm-hmm. you know how, you know, she's a slayer, but she's learning how to be the best one. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's never, we've talked about this before, but like, it wouldn't make for a very good TV show if she was Buffy the mediocre vampire yeah, slayer. Yeah, the, the regular, the regular one yeah. that just slightly above average time period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, I like yeah. I like the Slayer mythology. I do too. It's pretty cool. It it bugs me that that the watchers were done away with. But I I guess I mean they were around for what, six seasons? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because um they didn't they it got to a point i suppose where it never really fit they didn't really help her and it was almost like she was better on her own and she was strong enough on her own and she didn't need them yeah yeah you're you're right i don't want to keep bringing up like feminism as much as i do but i think that might be what joss whedon was kind of going for um Hmm kind of like she's uh she's basically able to succeed without the help of a group of men or um yeah or uh, academics or whatever but she's strong enough and she's enough of a warrior on her own and that's kind of like her rite of passage when when she leaves the watchers mm-hmm. council that that's a good point and and i never really I never understood why the Watchers just had to be a bunch of dudes. Yeah, like, I mean, why there, can't were, a there, be, fem- there yeah. were a couple female Watchers, mm-hmm. um, but they never were really, I don't think they were ever um, actual Watchers. Like, you know how they get assigned to a Slayer, so they don't obviously all get to be Watchers. Um, they all work in the council, but, like, only one gets to be active, mm-hmm. you know, and um, there wasn't really ever a female right. It's like, well, it's like being an astronaut where yeah. you're, they're all astronauts, yeah. but only like three of them go into space. Yeah. 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 So definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it was necessary for her to grow, to leave the Watcher's Council. You're, you're right. That, it makes sense. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, th- I think it, it speaks a, like for the 10,000th time. Uh, the show takes so many chances and and does things so differently from from what you would expect that it puts me a, in a certain a certain sense of discomfort because they they take a different thing like 
in 99.999% of other shows, once you establish an important piece of the mythology or the, or the, or the rules of that universe to have those be undone is sort of like, whoa. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. And I like, that's what I love about Buffy. It's like, it's realistic. Even, I mean, it's, it's based off of a non-realistic plot line, but, but it develops realistically. Yeah. Because rules within that. Yeah. Rules change along the way. Right. And And rules, rules get added. Rules get taken away and they just generally change. Yes. I really like that about that series. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so then that brings us to the last two episodes. Yeah. Which we sort of started talking about, but yeah. Um, so she, Buffy's now faced with how to, um, fight these Uber vamps, hunt thousands of them, thousands. And she only has maybe 40 people with her. So how does she do this? Yeah, it seems she, really impossible yeah, odds. It does. And uh, Nathan Fillion, hello, evil. Yeah. Hi, I'm Caleb. He's freaking disgusting. Yeah. How much? Because he died in the second to last episode, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't really see him very much. No, no. Dude, that guy is sick. He seemed like he, he was Nathan really be like, super Are sadistic. You, yeah, because you kind of. You're a little scary real when you do that. Like, it's a little bit freaky. He seems so young in that episode. Yeah, he does. But yeah. what, what I think it's like the haircut or something. Because he's smaller, he was, too. Yeah. He, I don't, he was he like the same. Muscle, he got a lot muscly. Uh, he got a lot. Mu- that doesn't make sense. But he, he got grew a lot, a lot of muscle. So yeah. Well, it's I, I'm just trying to think because Firefly was right around that same period of time um, when they when they did this the last episode of buffy i mean it would have been like within a year i'm gonna look hold on because i know i because i know that because firefly just turned 10 years old it was like, a year before so 2002 that yeah. season was 2003 so um mm-hmm. yeah it was like the year before right so he was already doing firefly right yeah yeah exactly and so because in Firefly, he looks more or less how he still looks today. Yeah. But to me, he just looks really younger and less buffed out, pun intended. No, I think he looks smaller in Firefly, too. Really? Oh, I yeah, because when I saw him in the guild, when he was in that like cameo in the guild, mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, he's got muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, it shocked me how much bigger he looked. And yeah. I've only ever seen him in Firefly and Buffy. So, I don't know. He seems similar in both of those. Okay. Maybe I just have an uh, incredibly dashing, handsome, buff in memory of Nathan Fillion stuck in my memory. I don't blame you. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, sister. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Um. <laughs> Anywho, so so not he's homoerotic like at all. <laughs> so I'm just a dude talking about man stuff Fantasies. like pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, Lord. oh gosh! Okay, so okay, refocus. 
Okay, so yeah, Caleb, um, Caleb, super creepy. Caleb's creepy. So, okay, so basically, this is like a really cool end to the series because a lot of characters come back, and um, like it's like the finale. You know, everyone's like returning. Faith and Angel, you know. Yeah. What do you think about that? Okay, so all right, let's have let's have the let's have the Spike. Buffy Angel love triangle conversation. Okay. Okay. Please to explain oh, to is me, that me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what no. what the freaking deal is? Like does she she clearly still has feelings for Angel. Right. Right? But she's got something going on. Right. With Spike yeah. and like, does she does she really love Spike? I mean, it, even in his right before he dies, she says, "I love you," and his response is like, "Thanks, uh, no, you don't." I wish. But thanks for saying, uh, thanks for say, you know, you don't, but thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how does she really? I feel. I mean, about how, him. We don't know, do we? But I think this is what I interpret. She's Buffy. got she got issues. She does have issues. Oh, absolutely. This is what the thing is. She doesn't I don't think she really loves either of them. I think Yeah. I think she um doesn't know what the crap she wants and I think she's scarred for life. I don't think she'll ever really be healed from being a slayer. I think she will always be um sort of a loner and she <sighs> With Spike, I think she sort of, she knows that. So with him, she just kind of uses him for what he feels about her and kind of uses him as like a warm body, you know, Mm. and um, even though he's cold, (laughs) huh? That's funny. (laughs) Um, Very good. And uh, I think, you know, so she's sort of like, she, I think she could love Spike. I do. Like, I think. I think she could if she really wanted to, but um, she doesn't really have the emotional capacity to be in love. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think she's kind of ruined. Um, she, she seemed- in this in the comic books. I've only read the first one. I just bought the second one. Um, she's sort of she's like got this perception of of being kind of uh, like the same way, kind of a loner, kind of above everybody, kind of just always on a mission. I don't, I don't honestly think she ever really can move on from that. That's what my, that's what my interpretation is. Yeah. She, it seems like, it seems like she uses, she uses sex as a way to try to find love. Right. And she, not just that, but also spikes feelings for her. It's almost like she's forcing them to, she's trying to make them fit. It's like the puzzle is like not really quite fitting, but she wants it to um, make her, f- she she doesn't want it to fit, but she wants it to make her feel better. So she uses like his feelings for her. Right. And then like the feeling of their sexual relationship to sort of make her. Right. Pretend it's working. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's it. Exactly. It's, it's weird because it's not, she's not like a, a whore. You know, she's not like a slut. No. Sort of thing. She's trying to... But she's like, she... 
she she uses sex to try to fall in love because she she wants to fall in love but she's like forcing it right it's really weird it's not a um i don't know it it's in the real world it's it's probably a more common thing than i realize i'm 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 guessing um but it it seems unusual for a tv character who is otherwise the protagonist of a series does that make know. sense at all i don't think it seems unusual i feel like there's other shows know. that do something like that I don't know. I don't think there are many hero characters in TV that sleep around because they want to try to find love and they say they love somebody but don't really mean it. I know there's got to be someone I can't I think don't know. of them right now. I don't know. I'm probably like way off base. No, but there's, I, there's I think something... there are definitely characters that do that. But I, more importantly, I think the reason why... It makes me it's feel almost, sad for her. It, it's really sad. Yeah. I think it's pretty realistic. I mean, I think there are definitely... It's like that person you know that has never really been single and doesn't know how to be single. And they don't sleep mm. around because they're slutty. They do it because they, do it they because don't so know how to be lonely. with themselves. Yeah. Right. And I think that's almost what's going on here hmm but then with angel yeah you're right you're totally right i know from, i'm right from that perspective yeah yeah i'm right um <laughs> i know these things i have intuition um but i think with angel to get more into this like deep psychoanalysis um i think she she wants to be in love with him. So she kind of maintains that high school um, personality of hers whenever he's around. Like, so that she can comfort herself knowing at least there's still Angel. Does that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, my life sucks and I'll never find love, but at least Angel is there like as my backup. And then she sort right. of disguises it as her true love or her soulmate or whatever. I think she's just fooling herself, really. Mm-hmm. They have a connection. They're friends, but yeah. I don't think that See, they really love Yeah. Them. See, the, the only thing that, that's making me not completely buy into the explanation you just gave is like, if if she were really in love with Angel and he's out of the picture, I can see her going to Spike as like the replacement. Yeah, but right? she's not really thinking of Angel. But she's not. But yeah, and that's well, that's what I'm saying is like. And that's where it kind of breaks down, like the the analogy of like somebody who's married for a long time or in a relationship for years and gets out of it and then they try to find somebody to replace that relationship but she was never that's what riley was 
Yeah, he was the rebound dude, huh? Yeah, he was the rebound. Yeah. I think I think her and Spike have a real connection. Um I think they have more of a connection than her and Angel did. Because and people are going to hate me for this, but I think somebody even said that on Twitter about how I like Spike more than Angel and that's weird. Didn't somebody say that? Mhm. Yeah. I forget who it was now. I'm um but I think she has more of a connection with Spike because it started it started as a real connection. Like it started as them being enemies and then it grew into a respect for each other. And I think it grew into some kind of love. I mean, not necessarily the mm-hmm. same matching love, but like with Angel, it started as like a 16-year-old girl crushing on a guy. Right. That and I totally agree it with. It kept that feeling the whole time. That's what I think. Okay. I think it always kept that feeling. I don't think it ever really went beyond that as far as the like romantic part of it. Her and Angel became better friends than that, I think. They they grew more as friends, I think, but all the stuff she did, all of his connections with him, they were all so like like she admired him more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it was with Spike with Angel. I mean, even when she, even when she stabbed Angel and shoved him into that portal, it was like, it was like so dramatic, you know, it, it was almost like teenage drama, like more, more than like a typical teenager. But cause like, you know, there was, there was real feelings there, but it was just still like the whole act of it was so like dramatic and with Spike, it always it started off and it grew into something a little bit deeper, I think. Somebody can respond to that if they want to, but that's how I feel. I don't think her and Angel's relationship ever really went beyond Buffy just really admiring him and like kind of crushing on him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, okay... I'll buy that. And that's why I but hate it still Angel because Angel, Angel like accepts it and it's so not cool of him because he's a freaking vampire and he knows that they can never really like be together. Well, he's a douchebag. Yeah, he's a douche. Like that's the thing. He accepts her admiration and like. So Spike, but he's the douche you want to be. But Spike admires her more than she admires him. Right. That's and it's not, true. It's not really admiration. It's love. Like, he loves her. Yeah. Angel kind of just, like, you know, feels connected to her and accepts that she admires him. I, I don't, I just, like... And I, but I just don't get... I, I, I'm with you on, like, everything you're saying, okay? But it just doesn't quite sit right with me that when Angel shows up... um. Like, right as about, just as Caleb is about to kill her and kind of saves the day in that whole scene. And then they have their their interaction afterwards. If she's with Spike now, like, she's just, she's a little bit too happy to, to see Angel and they kiss. And it's like. I don't think she really thinks she's with Spike, though. Like, they're just kind of 
doing a fling thing. So and Spike feels more for her than she feels for him. They're you they're know never, what buddies. Yeah, they are. And they never and she like it means more to Spike than it means to her. And she is mm. always up front with that with Spike. Okay. The whole time. She's always telling him See, okay. You don't mean anything to me, basically. That See, that makes a whole lot more sense now. Yeah. So she she's very upfront with Spike the whole time, but Spike just loves her and wants to be with her. Right. So they're so F- FW, FWB. Yes. Friends with Buffy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, if you looking at it from that angle, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 She so is her, so she is she broken. Like, yeah, she's she is broken because friends broken. friends with benefits. I mean, this is that's that's a difficult thing. Yeah. Emotionally really hard. And like for people. It's always that one person is uh, There's always somebody yeah. who's way into the other person and spikes that person. Right. So, Buffy is broken. You know what else is broken? Sunnydale. Sunnydale. Can it be gone? <laughs> it's definitely broken. It's pretty much the definition of broken. At yeah. This. It's a giant crater. Yeah. But don't worry. There's another Hellmouth in Cleveland. <laughs> that was the best line ever. That I made know, me. That gonna... made me just tingle with. Oh my god! I, do they go to Cleveland in the comic book or something? They do. Do they? Are you serious? Well, like they they mention it. Yeah, I haven't read them all, but yeah, they do. Like, there's a few hell mouths on the in the world, and they always refer to Cleveland as one of them. I know. How much do you love that? Like the fact that we live here and we can always just be like, oh, it's because of the freaking hell mouth. Like we could just say that from now oh, on. Oh God, yeah. Every problem we have. It's of the Cle- Cleveland Brown Stadium. It's the yeah. hell mouth. <laughs> anyone ever said that (laughs) because i think i think on the venn diagram of cleveland browns fans to buffy fans there's (laughs) probably not much crossover yes there's no intersection at all yeah oh my god yeah that's so funny (laughs) the the end zone is the helmet Every football that goes that direction just like disappears. <laughs> <laughs> if we got to find out if they if they do go to Cleveland in the comics because they I, could I'll be look. they could be mining the crap out of that because there's like oh, so much there's so much janky crap in Cleveland that's just rip yeah it's just like ripe for explanation of yeah it's because of the hellmouth. <laughs> The river just, that caught on fire. Yeah. Hellmouth. Oh my god. Bad Every, parking. Uh, Hellmouth. Winter. <laughs> winter. Hellmouth. <laughs> the public school system. Yeah. The public school system. That's totally Hellmouth. <laughs> oh. Shit. Lakewood. I Hellmouth. Mean, Lakewood's not that bad. <laughs> no, Lakewood's fine. Uh, <laughs> Lakewood's nice. Yeah, uh, it I was is. Thinking, I was trying to think of another. Well, it's outside of the Hellmouth. Like, That's Ohio, why <laughs> Ohio City. Like when when Cleveland becomes a crater, Lakewood will be the first town that survives. Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh All my right. god! Everybody listening to this is not getting any of our Cleveland jokes because none of them, of them are, are from there. But it's so 
funny. Like, yeah. no one else can say that because Sunnydale's fictional. So, right. ha. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah. Whenever they talked about Sunnydale, though, I would actually, I would always think about uh, a city in California that is real uh, that I spent a lot of time in called Sunnyvale. Oh wow! And I always, really? I always, yeah, yeah. Is I it always, near L.A.? No, it's not. That was that was the only thing. Is it was near like San Jose and the San Francisco Bay Area, and I used to go to a couple of comic book stores that were like right in and around Sunnyvale. So, like I said, I spent. A lot of time there, so I would always imagine like, yeah. well, maybe it's Sunny Vale, but <laughs> no, they were supposedly down near L.A., so that kind of crushed my yeah my fantasy. Foiled again. Don't you love how even Cleveland is worse than L.A. in the Buffy verse? Like, <laughs> L.A. is not even a hellmouth, right? Cleveland right. is though. Yeah. Oh, it sure it is. is. That when I when I saw that after watching all those episodes. You know, like, and finally seeing the very last episode and being like, oh, yes. And then it ends with, like, Cleveland is the other Hellmouth. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Joss Whedon. Yeah. For making this series <laughs> end properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So when you... Maybe not in our first conversation, but in, I think in, in one of our initial conversations about Buffy, I seem to I seem to remember you making some sort of reference to it being an unsatisfactory ending. No. Did you not say that? Maybe no. it was somebody else. That was not me. No. Her face at She's the end. She's so relieved. Is so amazing. Yeah. That one facial expression makes me just like, I feel like I just closed the book. You know what I mean? Like, you know how you get that feeling when you end a book? Like, we should probably be feeling that now, but we're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we will soon. Um, when you finally close the book and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's it. And mm-hmm. then, like, it's over. I feel satisfied. She, that facial expression is the way it, I feel when I close a book and... I'm, oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. Just that was a terrific way to end the series. Yeah, like fin- oh, I wanted yeah. to stand up and give a standing ovation. Yeah, I mean it was fantastic. I love her face in that picture. Mm-hmm. Like it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends great for her. It get what I really liked about the ending is that. The closing scene pairs it down to the original characters. Yes. And and it's very uh if you if you think about it, it's well they add Dawn. And Andrew. No, and Andrew. But it, it really gets down to the core the core Scooby gang. And there, there are the other survivors, and I liked how Faith and Principal would would have. They have their little scene on the bus. He's injured. It looks like he dies. Yeah, I love that. And she part. goes to to close his eyes, and he like comes back into yeah. consciousness or whatever. And then uh, Felicia Day 
like kind of takes over like caring for him. Yeah. And that prompts Faith to be able to go out of the bus and catch up with the the rest of the yeah. the gang. And yeah. I still don't like her. She's yeah, she's all right. Yeah. She kind of redeems herself a little bit. Yeah, I mean she redeems herself. Did that's you see good, the part but... where where I don't think you saw the part where um they kick Buffy out of being the leader, all the potentials do, and they vote Faith? No, I didn't see that. There's that a was, scene... it was like an yeah. episode or two before. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about yeah. though. I think she kind of redeems herself there, mm-hmm. but um But yeah, um it's almost like the the end of Harry Potter where it's like it all comes down to the the three people that have been there all along mm-hmm. you know yeah which i don't know if you really get very much because you haven't really read all the books but um but yeah it's cool like you finally you finally see you know willow xander buffy and giles it's just like yeah i was i was really pleased that they they all survive to oh the end yeah of the series. that absolutely if they would have died i would have not held it together i was really concerned at one point that that they would kill off willow i thought they would kill off, or maybe even kill i mean any of them i thought giles actually was the one i thought the most yeah because yeah no you're right injured a few times like pretty bad and you were thinking oh my god he's totally gonna die because it would make sense for him to die because he's kind of like you know her mentor and at one point the master has to leave the you know the students so i thought he would totally die but I'm really glad he didn't. Yeah. Well, that and they kind of set they kind of set that up as a possibility because he gets distanced from yeah. the show. And with all the with all of the character introductions and then subsequent deaths that occur in the series, that kind of demonstrates that nobody was nobody was safe or immune right. to that possibility. So it and was, plus it's Joss Whedon, so you just never know who's right. Gonna die. Yeah, he's the master of unpredictable, which is which is great. So all of that kind of came together to make me super happy yeah. that that they all did make it to to the end. Now, um, Anya, mm-hmm. so she she dies. Yeah, she gets so killed. at one point. Her and Xander were engaged, and they were supposed to get married. He changes his mind, leaves her stranded at the altar. Yes. And they do not get back together after that point, or? Correct. Okay. She becomes a demon again. Right. That that part I did get. And then um, they sort of, at the end of the season, at the end of the series, they are in the midst of repairing their bridges that they burned. Mm-hmm. So they're like on their way to becoming friends again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. It never really finalizes. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're sort of like, they're moving on past the heartbreak at that point. Mm-hmm. And then like she dies. So, yeah. So. so she dies. Lots of people die. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of people. Oh, I die. love when they play D and D. Oh yeah, the night before the battle. <laughs> speaking speaking of that, I have um, 
I have news for you. Okay. Offline that we'll have to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna get to play soon. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So we need to wrap this up. Yeah, we do. Holy oh my crap. god. And we need to talk about what we're doing next week. Then. Yes. So, I guess we'll. I could go on and on about Buffy. Yeah. So I guess I mean, at this point we'll just kind of say like we can write a blog about it if we want. If we want to do a blog entry, sure. Feel free to write one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Maybe in the next week or so or two. Yeah. I'll I'll do that. But for for now, I'll just kind of simply leave it at um. This show ranks up among the best TV shows I've ever seen. And not only just recognizing the quality, but is a favorite of mine, which those are two different things, right? Because you can watch something and say that's like the best quality, but it's not necessarily still one of your favorites. Yeah. Like yeah. for like with me for Star Wars, um, I know that Empire is a better film than A New Hope in many ways, but A New Hope is my favorite. I totally agree with that. Me too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So. Buffy is, is both and always will be. Right. I think it, 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 um, it reopened sort of a love for me of, of science fiction type shows. Yeah. Even though I don't really know if I would call that science fiction, but it reopened. Well, it's, fan- it's I guess if you want to fantasy, be like really specific yeah. about it, it's fantasy. Yeah. It, yeah. it made me remember how much I love that. I don't know. I just, I will always want to watch Buffy. I think it's important culturally. And I think it's important um, for a certain age group. I think I just I think um, I wish I would have watched it while it was on the air because I would have been the perfect age. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's great. Amen. We can totally wrap this up on the blog for sure. Yeah. yeah. So say we all. Yes. Speaking I, of so say we all that my friend is an expression used in our next series. Yes. Battlestar. Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. For next week. Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) 1978. Original Battlestar Galactica. Two-hour thing. Awesome. That's what we're going to watch. Unit. Going to watch. We're going to discuss. And the week after that, we are going to start on new Battlestar Galactica. Correct. And we will be able to compare and contrast the two pilots. Yes. Because they have similar storylines, but they go in different directions. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Battles- How many episodes are we going to devote to uh, the new one? I, th- I think we are we going to finish out the month. Um. Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. 
So maybe we'll episodes. just finish out the month. We'll see. Yeah. We we got to talk about that because Battlestar, the new Battlestar, I'm concerned because it's really really hard to miss any episodes and still know what's going on. Mm. That's kind maybe. of a problem that we'll need to sort out. How many seasons is it? We'll figure it out. Yeah. It's like four it's like four seasons. Yeah. And we can't even read a book in a month and a half and we you know, if we can't I, read a book in a month and a half, we can't I watch. but I but uh mm, it is kind reading of is easier. Different than- yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're right. Reading is You're different right. than sitting yeah. in your bed and watching yeah. Netflix. Speaking of sitting in your bed and watching Netflix. Yeah. It's time to go night nights because we started recording this at about ten thirty. And it's, it is now holy we've gone we've gone oh almost God. exactly two hours. We started at ten thirty, it is now twelve thirty AM. I have to be up at six. Oh my god. And I'm going to die. Well, I was actually gonna promote Netflix selfies.tumblr.com, but um that'll make you just did. Okay. So Good do job. that. Tweet us. Sorry we talked so long, but I hope that you enjoyed it. Um maybe we can split this into part one and part two so that people don't have to sit through two hours i don't know we'll figure it out uh we'll throw it all up there okay yeah. we'll do it all at once there two hours go. listen you, you made it if you heard it this far you made it congratulations thank you for listening we will see you next week have a good night bye bye